Hey guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits, the Thriller Podcast. What's new this week, Mike? Golf trip is coming up, that's what's new. Weekend golf, buddy. I know, I felt like, when's the last time I saw you? Uh, my birthday? Before Jeez. that? Was it? Was that after, before the wedding? I mean, I see you. I see you every like every week, but only virtually. That right. was after the wedding. We met up in Augustine. No, that was yeah. It was my birthday because my sister was leaving or right before my birthday. Yeah, so it's been since. Yeah, April. It must have been it. Jeez. Oh yeah, because we were gonna have we we're gonna have a pizza party at your place, but then you guys got COVID, right? That's right. COVID threw a wrench into that, and we never found a second date. That's right. That's right. We still need to. Got to get the wives on that. No, we. Yes, yes. <laughs> when everyone's healthy. Yes. Yeah, but this weekend, what, four rounds of golf? I'm down for that. Me too. You, you ready? A little Pennsylvania getaway. Y'all limbered up? We'll see if my back holds up, man. I Fingers crossed it has not gone this entire season yet So of golf. So hoping I can make it through the fall, you know, pain-free back pull free so we'll, we'll see i'm getting up there man in age we're getting up there <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe we'll do a little uh we, we haven't come up with the the, the patron only breakouts for the thriller pod yet but uh from the golf course live penn national this weekend yeah our patrons have something to look forward to because we are breaking out that bottle of bookers so <laughs> our patrons know all about that and our listeners yeah so. baby more shenanigans from the golf course here on No Limits Thriller Pod. Well, you know who else is? It must be in a lot of pain. My back pales in comparison to the pain Court Gentry must be feeling with what he goes through mm. in the book we are covering today. Yes, yes, man. We <laughs> finally, it's finally here. Uh, both me and you have seen the movie. We went by ourselves individually. I snuck out of work for two hours in the middle of the day. I, I like set up my experiments and they had to run for like two hours. I was like, I'm going to go now. And I went, uh, you saw it the day it was released. Um, yeah, we, we forget we're, we're going to just a caveat. We're, we're not really going to try to talk about the movie. You know, the movie got a very limited theater release. Uh, it comes out Friday. We're recording this Wednesday before the, it comes out. So we want people a chance to watch it. We might release a pod, just the two of us. We've obviously also released our first reaction pods, so go check those out. We also have a lot of other content. I guess I'll just put that little plug here now. On our other feeds, we did Rising Tiger on the No Limits Brad Thor podcast. Uh, great pod. I, I just listened to part two today. And we also, you know, on this feed, we just we just had a marathon of content come out from the Terminalist, man. Ooh. Mike, you were freaking killing it, man. Man, the amount of hours my fingers are feeling it, moving this keyboard around, trying to edit those episodes. What do we do? Eight? Well, if you include our first reactions, yeah, probably about eight or so, eight or nine episodes covering the Terminalist. And then we did a two-part series on the book as well, so... Yeah, it's been a busy and in the blood, busy the, summer, and in yeah. the blood. Yep, the, the newest Jack Carr book in the James Reese series. And then on top of that, we're currently it's in post production, getting an interview with George Goodell, the audiobook narrator of the Mitrap series, together on our season one, the Mitrap podcast. So 
lot, lot of stuff happening this summer for No Limits, and uh, I'm excited that the next week or so we'll be getting to talk about The Gray Man, because you didn't even mention yes. it. We're hoping our full movie review, and again, like Chris said, spoiler-free in terms of the movie for part the, for this episode on the book. We will only be covering the book today. But next week, we'll be meeting up with our podcast friends, The Com Majors, everybody's favorite movie review podcast, and a fellow thriller fan in Brian Costello, and his crew will be joining us here on No Limits to do a full breakdown of the movie. And they are some huge movie buffs and have done plenty of action flicks on their podcast. Check them out, The Com Majors. They'll be here joining us to break down the Gray Man movie next week. I'm just glad that all this content dropped while you were on summer break, because if not, I don't think we would have been able to do it. Oh, know? it would not have happened. <laughs> Actually, the week school ended. I was in Myrtle Beach, and I don't know if anyone heard this story, but I think I told it on one of the episodes covering The Terminalist. We get to the beach house. It's like the first week of summer break. Terminalist drops, ready to record with you, and the beach house has no TV. Well, it had no a TV. TV. It had a crappy, rundown, old TV. The picture was so dark you couldn't see anything. I said, no way. Literally, the day I drove in and got there it, it, to the beach, I went and picked up a 55-inch TV. So I, I needed oh, it to nice. watch a Terminalist. Yeah. <laughs> That's sick. You got you got, you got, got a whole uh, video set up now down at, the, down at the beach house. Yeah, dude. And then I think we recorded, what, every single night? Not every episode was with you. You couldn't make them all. But I think every night I was there, I recorded with our guests just banging out episodes. It was wild, man. So, yeah, busy summer. Couldn't have done it unless I had these uh, these two months off. Yeah, no, I mean, that was the original concept of this third feed was hopefully being able to bring on some other voices, and we've been able to do that. So hopefully, you know, hopefully I can bring other voices, you know, give you a break, Mike, uh, in the future. So we'll see. Yeah, man, go ahead. Get some interviews. I mean, you've got connections, so make it happen. All right, well, let's dive in to The Gray Man, Mark Greeny's first book. This came out in 2009, I believe. Gray Man's been around, yeah. What did you think about the book, Mike? It's such a good book that to share my thoughts, I wrote them down in the form of a limerick. You tricked me there. I thought you weren't going to go for it. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. There was an assassin named Court, but Lloyd has a dumb plan. He must thwart the gray man. He lives to save Fitzroy and grandkids racing across Europe. Time is short. Boom, baby. Speaking of racing across Europe, Mark Granny puts, I want to say we should do a traveling heavy section on this pod because he's getting up there to, you know, destination hopping just like Brad does. We go, the movie does this too. Like they, they get a beat for beat like that, you know, no spoilers there. We go all across. We First, we start out in Iraq, right? And then yep. from there, we're... We we travel along pretty much with Court through Europe, ending up in France. Man, he gets around. Yeah, what do we have? Hungary, Switzerland. Uh, where does he? Czech Republic. Meet up with Laszlo. Yeah, in Prague. Yep, he's a lot of time in Prague. Like, and the movie even adds more cities on top of that, including yeah, Asia. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Oh man. Yes, yes. Although while we're on it with the international flair. 
not to start negative, there was a big oh, glaring error. And I hate to say this, but you know when we say all the time if you get weapons wrong or caliber or tactics wrong, you lose a whole swath of the you know military and gun aficionado population? I hate yeah, to say not it. us, because I have no idea what they're talking about. But. Yeah, same, right. You could, you could write whatever you want about weapons, and I'll believe it. But my specialty, geography, there was a major blunder here. Oh, it, it irked uh, me. What did he do? You know when they're assembling all the teams? I think it's like Regal and Lloyd or somebody is connecting all the hit teams, and they're taking out this massive contract. They say one of the first teams was in Luanda... Botswana. And I just cringed. Luanda is not in Botswana. It's next door. It's in the ne- their neighboring country, Angola. Luanda, Angola. Oh, man. I was like, no. And then it, they listed it in a series of like four or five other capital cities that were all correct. So just that one being so glaringly wrong, it was like, Arr! but I'm sure that's like the 0.1% of people who either caught it or gave a shit. And unfortunately, I'm in that 0.1% of people who really give a shit. You are in both those categories. Yeah, completely <laughs> went over my head, so I, it didn't catch it. Um, yeah, someone someone wasn't doing their job when they edited this book. but I, Yeah, it's just me being nitpicky. Sorry, guys. D- didn't mean to start off on the wrong foot, but that's that. Although, actually, I'm looking now, Angola and Botswana do not share a border because there is the small northeast Namibian corridor that separates the two. But however, anyway, Luanda, Angola, Botswana, Gaborone. And man, just it just hurt hurt my soul. <laughs> <laughs> well, un- unlike you, most people seem to enjoy this book when you go on to Amazon hey, and Goodreads. Hey, I did enjoy it. <laughs> hey, we didn't do the scorecard yet. I, I am going to rate this book quite highly. Don't worry about that. Okay. <laughs> when you go to Amazon and Goodreads, it, it gets pretty high scores. It's got a 4.6 on Goodreads and a 4.7. Boom. Like it's, it's one of the highest rated books I think we've done. Yeah. Lee Child says, hard, fast, and unflinching. Exactly what a thriller should be. I feel like... Lee, I love Lee Child's like one words on top of these uh these book jackets because they're always like you literally paste this on like any any thriller. It's like yeah. did he even? Re- I know I'm sure I'm sure Lee Child actually read this. Well, but, I saw yeah, that just funny. on the original cover. It was just a quote by Lee Child. I love the Gray Man, and I'm like, I love Mitch Rapp. <laughs> I love Scott Harvey. It's just I love the Gray Man. I'm glad, brother. I'm glad you do. Uh, yeah, it caught me as just a the quote just rang funny as something to have prominent on the cover yeah so give you the summary to those who lurk in the shadows he's known as the gray man he is a legend in the covert realm moving silently from job to job accomplishing the impossible and then fading away and he always hits his target always but there are forces more lethal than than generally in the world forces like money and power and there are men who hold these as the only currency worth fighting for and in their eyes, Gentry has just outlived his use- usefulness. But Court Gentry is going to prove that for him, there is no gray area between killing for a living and killing to stay alive. Ooh, yet like, that's mm. more like a, just a little teaser. Dude, I like that last line. 
because it goes hand in hand with one of the few quotes I pulled from this book. Listeners of the pod know I like to pull out quotes, but I couldn't put this one down. Or I didn't want to hit pause because I did the audiobook. I was loving it so much, I didn't even take that much time to write notes. But this quote stood out to me, and it's during the plane scene, or at the very start of the airplane scene, which, damn, I can't wait to get to. But it's kind of like that synopsis. It says, quote, Court Gentry was a killer of men, and these were men, and that's all there was to it. Oh, I love that. Like, that just defines who Court is. Nothing's going to get in his way. Yeah, so... I guess, you know, just diving right into the book, we, we start out with, he's on this mission, right? Or he's just accomplished a mission. An assassination. Yeah. An, an assassination. And so on the way out of the Xville, he just can't help himself but get involved in this down chopper, right? And he, we, we sort of go back and forth between the chopper scene and, and where he's at. And we think he's like just going to leave, you know, leave the scene and get out. He's got to, he's got to get the Xville. And then we cut to the scene where, you know, Friggin' heads start exploding, and obviously he's decided, well, fuck it, I'm going to take out these people on my way out. One, not only is that scene freaking awesome, I love, like, just jumping right into the action was was pretty cool. But second, what I think it does really well is set up Court, and it's played throughout the book, is Court is a man of, like, principle, and even though he is, like, this, like, you know, hardened killer, he has, like, a, I don't want to call it a weak spot, but... You know, he, he, he considers himself still American, even though he's been burned by, you know, the American intelligence apparatus. They, they sort, of sort of churn him up and then spit him out. But he still, you know, when he sees an American down or he, he knows that the, there are bad guys that are currently in his line of sight, he's going to take that shot. Yeah. You know, I think that this is later on is what lloyd sort of uses to lure him in right with with the girls and and fitzroy even though he like he knows that fitzroy you know sold him out but i just like that because one of my you went negative i'll go i'll I'll give you my big negative i I didn't love and we we don't get it now but we get it like in a couple more chapters like sort of the cheesiness about like who the allure of who the gray man is it was just like put on a little too heavy a little too early you know, if I think back to, you know, either the Norseman or the Iron Man, like yeah. those names weren't just dropped willy nilly in no. the very beginning. It, it was something that had to be sort of earned, it, at least like a book. And I know like this book is called The Gray Man and that's like what, what it's going to be. But the one line where I almost, ro- I literally rolled my eyes was, I, I think it's when Lloyd's calls. Yes. Uh, what's his name? The the, the blonde guy, um, the German. Real. And he's like. Real, 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 real. Yeah, he's like, I need someone killed, and he's like, well, we can kill anyone unless it's the gray man, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. And of course, it's like the gray man. I was just like, really, you, you didn't have to, you didn't have to say that. Like, I don't know, the, for some reason, like that, that really like nitpicked me. But it saved a little bit by definitely by the end because we obviously know who he is and like he's sort of earned that name and that moniker. Yeah. yeah. But I felt like along with the very first couple chapters all the exposition we got from like the conversations with lloyd and 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 fitzroy like those were my two big negatives and so i'm going to be positive the rest of the book i'll get the negativity out of the way just like you did but yeah i I don't know did did you that rub you the wrong way too it's so interesting that you brought that up because i know this was your first read and i first read this book three four years ago 
I had the same reaction. I was jazzed up with the opening scene of like he's sniping these dudes. Because it's awesome. Yeah, the terrorists were celebrating, right? It was not just that they were capturing our guys and shot down the chopper. They were gloating about it. They were literally AKs in the air, jumping around, having a party that they were torturing American soldiers. And so Gray Man comes on so strong as like you said, he's acting with integrity and principle. And then you kind of cut to this almost cheesy scene where cocky Lloyd is toying with Fitzroy. And it's kind of like this big dick competition. They're just kind of going back and forth of the who's who. I can kill somebody or my company because we get a bunch of company name drops like the Laurent group is right. explained and Fitzroy's group is explained. And that exposition with lines like, I'll kill anybody unless it's the gray man. <laughs> We're like, you're just trying to force a setup that's not there. So I had the same reaction. But my second go around in the reread, it was so cool because I knew Lloyd. I knew Sir right. Donald. Right. I knew what was going to come. And rereading that scene, I actually appreciated all the detail in their conversation because of how things play out down, you know, 500 pages later, or no, like 300 pages later. It right, it, right, it, right. it made me want that conversation. It, it almost felt like that conversation should have been the expanded universe, you know, or a companion text. Sure. We're like, yeah. I just want to know who Sir Donald is, know who Lloyd is, and let's get back to the action. Because Court's, you know, in the middle of the Iraq, Turkey, Syria border, whatever, trying to get out of here. He's got this guy, Bayless, right? He saved one of the downed soldiers. I thought that was a cool conversation. Bayless is like, who are you? And Or what are you doing here? And Court says, just like, don't look at my through. face. Yeah. Yeah, don't look at my face. Right, just, just passing, passing through. through. Like, cool Like, all that like stuff that. was really cool. Yeah, and it that like that itself set him up, and like obviously through the course of his action, we see he really is the gray man, and, and he really and I think Gentry um, Greeny does a good job of building this character and sort of filling out that name, that moniker. But just like he uh, definitely on first read, reading that it was just like oh great, we're we're in for like this cheese fest. Uh, but then it quickly like sort of got away from that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The first couple of chapters had me like. What what book are we reading? What what is this going to be? This movie, Mike. Sure. Uh, but then the action, and then immediately right after that scene, we cut to to the airplane, and then oh. I was hooked, and I I couldn't put it down. I I just yeah. like that. Yeah. So and I don't I'll, know. I'll be not, not to be. I don't want to be negative about this, but like that that that's my big negative uh, of the whole thing. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of take that and, and spin it because following this up with the airplane scene, which is just so over the top and. Guys, we're not saying much, but a lot of the action scenes in the movie very much respected the the material in the book, and that's super cool to see. So get ready, yes. the airplane scene. Mm, mm. I, I can't wait. Well, to that talk was in about the that. trailer, but yeah, it was in the trailer too. So people know about that. There was a lot of the action scenes that this book, you know, that put this book on the map that they handled perfectly in in the movie. So I'll leave it at that. But. I almost felt like this was a double down of the cheesiness in a good way, because that's going to keep up throughout the book. Like you said, you rolled your eyes. I think I rolled my eyes five or six times because the gray man gets shot in the leg. He gets stabbed by the True. Korean assassin. He gets he blows himself up at a Laszlo's, you know, holding pool well thing uh, just over and over. How many times he's getting hurt? And they do this in the movie, too. So it's almost like doubling down on this 
roll your eyes, over-the-top action. How the hell is this guy still going? And, I mean, I think that makes this book more of escapism than other thrillers. And I, I kind of think that Margraney is, is kind of being upfront about that because I don't think of him in the category of Brad Thor, super detailed research, geopolitical nuance, or a Vince Flynn, which is getting inside the world of intelligence and analysts and knowing how these real players operate on the Hill in politics, or your Jack Carr, right, who's going to take real experience, be super detailed about what operators are going through, the tactics they're using, the gear that they're carrying. I feel like Mark Rainey is just saying, I'm an entertainer, and I'm going to entertain you in the best way possible. And I'm okay that this story is not realistic at all, and it's over the top. It becomes escapist in a sense of you get lost in a killer story in a different way than some of the other books where you're kind of thinking, well, is this real life or oh, it would really happen this way, or, oh, I could see that being true. I feel like the gray men don't care about that. It, It's just pure entertainment through and through, and I'm here for it. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you, and I, I think that maybe maybe what was doing me a disservice was, like, coming off rereading, you know, some of these others, and I was just in a different, like, right. expecting, you know, a, either a Brad book or, or a Jack book, you know, or, like, a Vince book um, and it's different and obviously yeah. we encourage that we, we don't want everything to be the same so I have to train myself to just be a little bit more open and not not like so you know expecting what what my niche market is right but yeah no again like I enjoyed this book and my, my score is gonna you know I gave it a good score so when we get to that yeah you know what you mentioned we're both mentioning the differences here it's also interesting this is a book in the beginning of the series that is not talking about getting out. You know, like Mitch Rapp, we're so right. used to his theme is I'm done, I'm quitting. And Brad Thor is like, well, Scott Harvath is getting a little older. And, you know, he's already tried to settle down once with a wife. How is that turning out second time around now? And uh, James Reese already been through so much trauma, kind of end of career or next phase in life. We're just getting a raw, young, at his peak gray man in the field. So... It, it's definitely a different feel than all the books we've read most recently. Yeah, no, definitely. And this is obviously at the end, it sets it up for, you know, he's going to have contracts to come. Like, right. I realize what sort of ride we're going to go on and it's going to, I'm, I'm excited. I listened to the audiobook, uh, which I think you did as well. Fantastic. I like the uh, Jay Snyder. Yes. Who is the, I don't know if anyone listens to audiobook, this audiobook, um, and also has is young enough to have watched Yu-Gi-Oh or have kids that watch Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> he plays the voice of the main character on that. And I've read an audiobook from him before and as I'm listening to it I'm like, "Why do I know this voice? I know this voice." And so I had to look it up. And it, when I found it was Yu-Gi-Oh, I was like, "Yes, that makes total sense. It's Yu-Gi-Oh." So funny. And then as soon as as soon as this one turned on again, I was like, ah, "Jay Snyder, nice." And he it's a different good. like uh he, he he's really good. Really good. You know what I think he's better at than some of the other audiobooks we've heard? Having very distinct voices. Like yes. Fitzroy. Almost is, like a character. Yeah. Right. Think of Fitzroy versus Lloyd versus Court. They can easily get jumbled up, especially if you know, you're a new reader. And of course, this was the first Gray Man book. So 
he's so distinct in how the three voices come off. There's no way you can kind of mix him up. I thought I thought he was brilliant with that. And he wasn't afraid to do accents. Like where I feel like most of the time, these, you know, I'm trying to remember if like Armand or, or George with like Herman the German, like do they really like throw on a, a big you know German accent? Like, I think it's like very subtle. Yeah. Whereas here. He lays it on thick, and he has no problem. And it's not like it's not super corny. It's you know, not not a super accurate like accent, but it didn't didn't take me out of the book. It actually probably put me a little bit more into it. Yeah, I'll agree with you there, especially for a book that has such an international flair. You know, that was a yes. good move. All right, let's get into some of this action, man. Right. So he gets out. He's on the plane. I mean. This is one of the most gripping action scenes you've ever read. No? It's got to be. Oh, yes. Definitely. definitely. I mean, this whole plane battle, and he catches the guys right at the last second because they got the call to eliminate Court from, was it Lloyd at this point? Uh, it was Fit Fitzroy called him. Right. And told him to get on the plane, and then Fitzroy calls the people and says, take him out. Take him out. And because that's exactly when Lloyd is pressuring him that, you know, he's going to take his grandkids. I'm going to take, take his grandkids. Right. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. And, oh, man, just the way he's on this plane, it's going down. It's already bl half blown up and been shot out. And then he literally jumps to try to catch up with the guy who's got the shoot. And he grabs onto him, deploys the shoot, knocks this guy out, just out of control. It's like we've been saying, it's a very Mission Impossible or James Bond kind of feel. Oh, yeah. And thankfully, yeah, definitely. that translates on the big screen. Like, you have the Russo brothers. That's all I'm going to say. That's a scene you want to hand off to the Russo brothers. Say, hey, read this thing, and then however you think it should be filmed, go do it, and we will give you tens of millions of dollars to do it. And Netflix came through. Right. Like, I love when they're describing, you know, the, the plane has to do a quick, you know, nosedive. And this causes like zero gravity, so like they're, they're yeah. floating up top, right? And then he ha then the plane has to like turn course and go back up, and so this, they they slam down and he, they slide all the way to the end. And just like as I'm reading it, maybe maybe it was, was because I was listening to the audiobook, I, I like just I felt like I was there, you know, just just or like I felt like I was visually watching it the way yeah. Jason Snyder was was reading it. And then I read all that, you know, before even before I ended up seeing you know the movie. Yeah, and just like that, he's jumping out and he's wrestling the dude, and he like, I think, what does he take the dude out like while he's uh, going, mm -hmm. you know, going down, and he still has like the the willpower to like hold on. Crazy Insane. action, like just the idea of this of this scene is amazing. I'm so I'm so glad Granny you know came up with this. Yeah, you know what's interesting? I would have thought that scene kind of stands out in my mind like a few years later, having read this book the first time. It's like. Uh, that has to be the big one, right? But so much else still has to happen action-wise right. and plot-wise. And it and, happens early on. Yeah. And it happens so early. It's kind of wild. You close the book. And this also happened with the movie. I, I won't – I'll stop talking about it. But you almost forget that this scene happened because of all the events to come. And it's interesting. One of the characters who plays a really minor role next ends up sticking with me or that I just – continue to kind of think back to or have this picture or image of in my mind and that's laszlo the document mm. forger and the guy he goes to get the passport from 
I don't know why, but the way that scene is described as, you know, this back alley and where is that Prague or is that somewhere else at this point? Uh, Budapest. Budapest. That was Budapest. That's right. And and just the way that whole thing is described where this guy gives off this kind of weird vibe. He's your old timey spy, you know, in Eastern Europe really was at the height of the game his game in the cold war he's got all these connections seems to know everybody and try to play them off against one another you just feel something's up and all of a sudden when he drops the gray man through that well i was like there's no way he's getting out of this i mean and again the way he gets out you'd have to talk to someone way smarter than me to figure out if you can cut this water pipe make a grenade out of ammunition that you stuff into I don't even know what he was doing all I know is he made something that exploded and he filled the well with water so he was protected from the explosion and boom he gets out right as the CIA team is converging on him and one of the hit squads is converging on him so again I think this scene was utterly ridiculous I could have paused and asked a million questions of wait what how would could that really happen would you be able to do that? But it didn't matter. It was just so damn entertaining. I was just I was just loving every minute of it. I don't care that it's like zero on the buy-in score. What did you think about Laszlo and this whole scene? No, I agree. And I think like having already set up, you know, the fact that one, he was able to get out of Iraq. Either he, he got the exfil that he needed. You know, like that again, we're slowly building up his his bona fides. And the fact that he just jumped parachuteless out of an airplane, I, I pretty much, and he survives. I think that he, he can do literally do anything now. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. No, this scene really stuck out of my mind because I did not see the trap door coming like that. Like the idea that he was going to, I just assumed that, you know, the guy was going to pull a gun on him and he'd have to like kill him or something, you know, or, or he was going to call the police, you know, not that right. all of that was going to be there on top of him being trapped in this, in the cistern. Yeah. And I guess we haven't even mentioned the fact that, you know, while all this is going on, right? Fitzroy's been captured, his family's been captured, and Regal has been brought in, and they've decided to essentially put on the world's biggest bounty on this guy and brought in the top operatives from other countries' governments to to get to get court. And like you said, one of the hit teams shows up at the same time that the CIA, who also has a hit out for, for court, like this man has a... Why is he still alive? <laughs> right, right. Persona non grata. Basically, anywhere you turn. Uh, yeah. What's crazy is that you not only follow up this scene, you know, he gets out alive, but then we immediately go to two scenes in Switzerland yes. that are like, you know, sort of, we're just one-upping everything, it, it all culminating with somehow him getting to the chateau and ultimately, you know, rescuing the Fitzroys and saving the day. But... Uh, the cabin scene. I don't know. For some reason, the cabin scene really stuck out of my head. You know, going through the cold. Maybe it's because we've read a couple of the, you know, the, the Brad books where he's been like in, in the cold recently. Yeah. Going to this, you know, hole out where he has a, a weapons cache. You know, he has it all set up. We think he's good to go. But Fitzroy turns on him again because he, he, he's one of three people and the other one's dead. So he's the only one. And this is what leads to. And I, I wanted to ask you about this. Do you think. Gentry let Fitzroy off too easy in the end. I haven't read another book, so I don't know like what ultimately happens. But at, at the end, at least Fitzroy is is 
is forgiven essentially and and let go no no i i think that's an interesting point there's a couple of angles to it but i do genuinely think court would understand fitzroy was in a position to save his family's life by sacrificing the gray man and though he does later say the gray man is like family to him i think fitzroy and by the way he's really built up as a very wise character so i think he has the wits to know these guys are not going to have luck getting court anyway and if they do maybe there's a chance it saves my family but i think the whole yeah. time he's really gambling that court's going to win so sure I, I think he's confident about that too i think court understands the positions he's in so no i think they have such a good relationship that court would have said you had to do what you had to do and i'm fine with that and third one that made me think was if they go after court at the cabin in switzerland and no one on earth is alive who knows about that spot and it's so isolated that proves that fitzroy is a mole or fitzroy is right. supporting lloyd so I wonder if it was because I think Fitzroy smart enough. I wonder if it was a tip to say, hey, look, go to the cabin. If you get hit, you know, the information's coming from me, because to this point, Fitzroy didn't right. didn't tell court that his family was being held. What, did he? Because he doesn't tell him that until he gets uh, the cell I think, phone. I think it was I think it was after and then he tells him that the family. no. They might have talked on the phone and said they were going to, like, kill. He might have said they were going to kill my daughter. But, yeah, it's definitely after this he gets his cell phone. And that's when he tells him that they killed his son. And right. Think, you know, that sort of ups the ante for court to, like, get these bastards, you know. Well, I wondered if it was a tip-off. Just, like, if you get hit at the cabin, you know it was me who gave the information, which means you know I'm compromised. So don't really trust anything else I kind of am forced to say to you under pressure. Right. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no. no when, I, when I think about it like that, it makes more sense. I think I buy, I buy that stuff a bit more than the Nigerian prince. <laughs> like to take a step back, the whole reason the Lawrence Group, the company that Lloyd is working for, and he's just a lowly lawyer, is because there Who was messed a, up. Yeah, yeah, there was a contract negotiation. He fucked up and it was at risk of losing this contract for the Laurent Group. And it was an oil extraction contract or they were going to build the infrastructure and the refineries for Nigerian oil. A multi-billion dollar contract, right? So a 20 million hit to kill somebody in order to secure and lock up a multi-billion dollar contract. It's a good play. What did you think about this? Like court just killed the prince's brother. The prince's brother wants court's head. He literally will not take any other sh any other sort of answer except show me his head and then you'll get the contract signed. Another one of these things that was a little too basic or just a little too outlandish for me. But again, that fits the narrative of everything else going on in this book. So it holds up. Yeah, that, that's probably like and maybe that's why we haven't really talked about it. Like the, the whole reasoning behind the plot for why Lloyd is doing this, why Gentry, why um, Regal, you know, is brought in, why this company wants Gentry dead is probably the weakest part of this book. Yeah. Um, it just does, is, is, you know, while jumping out of a plane or, or surviving all these attacks also are unplausible, unplausible. This like plot just seems even, even more unplausible than 
you know, someone surviving jumping out of a plane without a parachute, you know? Uh, I don't know. I just, yeah, it, the, the plot just didn't, didn't vibe with me, but I also, by the time, like I'm just reading this action, I didn't really care in the beginning. Again, I was sort of, I was hung up on that and I was hung up on the, like I said, the cheesiness of like, you know, Ooh, the gray man. But then by the time, you know, we're at the train station or then when he goes to Maurice or then when he ultimately, you know, meets all these players in Paris and then in Normandy, I almost forgot about it until the very end, which I, I don't know. I, I can ask you the same question. I just asked you for Fitzroy. Do you think he lets Mark Laurent off way easier than I would have thought? Yeah, that ending. I guess we'll have to get there. But I yeah, that question. Let's let's hold on to that because. I do want to know in the end, were you satisfied about this twist of what's next for the gray man? And I'll be honest, full transparency, I have not read the second book. So Me neither. I, I yeah, I don't know how I'm going to feel the gray man working for the Laurent group. Mm, he does make a good sell at the end, but yeah, mm, I don't know. I don't know. All right. All right, we have we have a couple more things before we get to there. So the train station. While we're in he, Switzerland, is this where he gets handcuffed? Yes. I just yeah, this is where he gets handcuffed, okay. and he's like survives a million bullets and and grenades being <laughs> shot at him on on a train station. So Switzerland. Um, okay, I'm again, just clarifying that. A, another scene that is ac- accurately depicted in, in the movie. Right. So yeah, and somehow he's able to survive this crazy assault on the train station. You know, again, showing his, uh, he, you know, attempts to save some of the cops. Uh, he, you know, he even tells them before, like, they get attacked, like, right. I'm not with these men. Watch out for them. You know, take them down. You're, you're going to get killed. Look at these two vans. Right. And then he follows this up by heading to his old mentor or his old trainer in the CIA, uh, Maurice. This scene was interesting. It, it's, it, it, parts of it didn't, didn't vibe with me, but then, you know, parts of it sort of did. Um, I felt like, they what he was going for was like sort of pulling the, these hard strings of like this relationship that he had but part of me like as i was reading it i i didn't really feel this relationship that they they actually had i don't know like um cuz in the end like he even sheds a tear for him like when he when he hears the explosion cuz maurice ends up you know helping him out by purposely pulling the oven out and then knowing that they're going to shoot and which causes this massive explosion in this apartment with the gas leak yeah yeah, did did you buy like their you know past like and and this build up and like because it was supposed to give you some emotion of like heartbreak, right? Yeah, I di- I didn't. It sort of took me out of the action a little too much, but well, I think it does a good job in some regards, and yes, falls flat in others. So I will say, it does do a good job in sprinkling some breadcrumbs. And again, I don't know if this happens, but if we do get to see or hear about Maurice later on in the series, I think that could be a really good thing that helps us yeah, get no, to I'd this like point. That. Yeah, whether it's like a flashback. training at the farm scene. Right. Yeah. Or if any of the books actually go back in time to his origin, getting recruited and trained, which we get hints at here. So I think Maurice and Sir Donald Fitzroy would just be like really cool characters to flesh out down the road. And so if that happens with Maurice, I think this scene has more weight to it. But then it does fall flat on some of the dialogue of, you know, he is dying of cancer and he's he's still smoking that cigar and 
they have a few, you know, quips and jabs back and forth that are playful banter. And I, I didn't, I didn't buy in just like you, like if this is somebody I really care deeply about, which kind of like your Stan Hurley, right? He doesn't come in until really halfway through Vince's books. You know what? Seven, right. six, seven, eight. So you don't even know about Mitch's mentor and all that till American Assassin way down the road. And then he's one of the, don't know about the characters. backstory of him. Right. Yeah. You don't know that complete backstory. Or let's even take Gary Lawler and how he's an uncle to Scott Harvath. And right from Lions of Lucerne, I can really remember the cabin scene and the dialogue the two of them had told me that this relationship was really, really deep. Real. And Gary and Gary yeah. Lawler played a role in that story already. He was already there. We're meeting Maurice for the first time. For the first time. In the middle yeah. of this book, in one scene of dialogue. So I agree. I didn't buy in as much. But I really loved how he does set the grenade off, knowing the stove was pulled out and there was a gas leak, and that allows Court to get out. And basically his days were numbered, and, and that's the way he would have wanted to go. So I, I thought that was kind of cool. No, that was cool. I, maybe it's just trying to set up too many characters, you know, during your first book. But you don't know, like, you know, what, what you want to do in the future when, when he's writing this. So, yeah. All right. Well, we always have to thank our patrons, including our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt, Don, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcasting platform. You can find us at thrillerpod.com or using Twitter and Instagram at thrillerpodcast. And as always, I'm just passing through. <laughs>